quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. You're listening to the podcast, so there I was. It's how all great aviation tales begin. This is episode 61 with Duber. 61. This is another fun one. It was. And let me tell you, uh, this has an incredible story wrapped in a story on how we got to this story. (laughs) All right? It really does. It really does. Begins with the... A young whippersnapper of 10 or 12 sitting at the heel of his dad and his Marine buddies from Vietnam reminiscing about the quote-unquote good old days while they were hunting pheasants on their family farm and listening to the stories of folks such as Lieutenant Studley Hungwell. Studley Hungwell, who didn't exist, but they created this uh, aviator out of thin air, and everyone was looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> they had wing and group personnel looking for this guy. Unbelievable. He actually got a paycheck, which was uh, kind of scary. <laughs> right? Oh, that was a great story. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So listen listen to that one. That was a lot of fun. But uh, this Marine's dad came back from Vietnam, bought his own helicopters, including the Marine H-34, in which uh, – uh, Duber, our guest today, had over a thousand hours of flight time in, in before he ever darkened the doorsteps as Officer Kennedy. School. That's which is just unheard of, right? Unheard of. Yeah. So he kept his mouth shut, didn't tell anyone he had any helo time, and he got kind of found out anyway. Yeah. How about b- before that though? Uh, you know, his dad would drop him off for uh, baseball games uh, in the helo. If he, if they're yeah. behind schedule, he'd he'd be working with his dad. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, heavy lift, moving uh, you know, air conditioners on top of buildings and that sort of thing, and uh, they drop them off at the game. Get out of the helicopter, run over, and start catching the baseball. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> crazy stories. He he had the uh, fortune to be in the same squadron that his dad and all his buddies flew in in Vietnam. The other right. HMH 362, the Ugly Angels. Same squadron as Spice and Gunny. And his dad, uh, amazing. That was kind of a special thing. Great. Then lastly, he went on to to also be an HMX-1 pilot. What's special about that, Fig? That's the uh, white-top helicopters that fly Marine One, flies the president and all the other heads of state around. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, they don't just let anybody who wanted to try out a helicopter one day to operate that. So, you know, this is a pretty special guy. And one other important point, sponsors for this episode include cross-promotions with the Pan Am Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Get ready for a delicious and hassle-free cooking experience. HelloFresh is offering an incredible deal just for our listeners. Visit HelloFresh.com slash so there I was 16 to get 16 free meals and free shipping. Stay tuned for more details about HelloFresh during the show with Duber. Anyway, tell you what, why don't we listen to him tell us about it instead of us telling you about it? Let's, what do you think, Fig? Let's get the hell out of the way. Let's do it. Don't, I almost said, don't sit on the collective. <laughs> you got me doing it now. <laughs> don't sit on it. How about just don't, don't put, what is it? Don't pull on it? Don't push on it. Don't let, don't, don't let, let go of it. Don't let go of the damn yeah. collective. Don't do it. On the tanker. Here comes Duber. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly... So there I was, 
sitting on the deck of the USS Bonhomme Richard, and my aircraft commander is getting ready to pull up on the collective during media day. Vulture's Row is covered with cameras, and we're going to do an FCF. And the minute that he's getting ready to pull up on the collective, for some reason I look down and see both of the dump switches are on. And if we would have broke the deck, guess what everybody would have seen? And then when we would have landed, <laughs> dump switches would have remained on because the weight on wheel switch would have been bypassed and we would have continued to dump fuel on the deck. <laughs> oh, boy. But you'd have landed sooner than anybody expected. Greetings, everyone. You're listening to the podcast. So there I was. This is episode 61. Repeat here, coming to you from Paris tonight with my co-host, Fig, and I think you made it back home. I am. This is Fig from Kearney slash Kansas City, Missouri. Not as sophisticated as Paris, but boy, am I glad we have with us a fellow Marine aviator. Welcome, Duber. Glad to be here, guys. That's awesome. Glad you could join us. And that's a great way to start, too. That's a great story. I want to hear how that <laughs> I'll finish it. I'll finish it when you're ready. There you go. No, All right, rock we'll, into it, and then we'll back up to your early days. So yeah. this was a fairly early day, but one of my overall, like my biggest mentors, uh, we're, we're testing media day, RIMPAC, uh, out in Hawaii. And I have no idea why, but he's getting ready to pull collective, and I just happened to look down to the center console both, and we both missed it. Both the switches were up, ready oh to dump fuel. And as soon as he starts pulling the collective, I smacked his hand with everything I had. And he looked at me like he was going to rip my fucking face off. <laughs> 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 and then and then he looks at me like, what the hell, dude? And I point at that. And he goes, oh. yeah. <laughs> and then we immediately both. Turn goes white. <laughs> we're like, he lets the collective down nice and easy. We both take a breath. We then safe the switches and talk about how big of a shit show it would have been because we would have dumped fuel once we broke the deck. Then we would have landed. We would have shut the switches off because that's your instinct, right? Right. And then yeah. the weight on wheel switch would have override, overrid them and we would have continued to dump fuel oh, on boy. the deck while all the cameras are on us. So that, uh, yeah. that, that would have been embarrassing. Yeah. To say yeah. the least. Well, Hey, nice catch, number one. I'm glad it didn't that's, happen. That's somebody looking out for you right there. Oh, yeah. Spidey well, sense. Right? Oh, well, man. considering the fact that, see, I know already because I've got a little background on you that you have so much time in a helicopter. I, I would say you probably have a guardian angel or two because you're still here with us. Yeah. I think those things are, with you know, whirling death machines, personally. It's, yeah, 300 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. So, so uh, tell us so, how how you got started. Yeah, how did you get started in aviation, man? I mean, it's a really great story. So tell us. Well, over my left shoulder, uh, that man right there. Okay, so the vast majority are not watching on on our Rumble page, but that's okay. So there okay. I was at US slash Rumble, but he's got a picture in the background of an H thirty four that his dad owned, and that was the backbone of Marine Corps helicopter aviation in Vietnam years. Yeah. My aviation, uh, I mean, it started when, before I was born. Uh, my dad was an Iowa farm kid, went into the Marines during Vietnam, flew H-34s, 13 months in Vietnam. He got shot down five times, 29 air medals, Purple Heart. Unbelievable. 
I didn't know any different. We always had helicopters around because when he got home from Vietnam, he bought a couple of small utility helicopters, bells, and, and sprayed crops. Did very well. Continued to purchase and buy helicopters. Um, I think at his height, he had two Bell 47 G5s, like the Bubble Bell, like yeah. you see on MASH. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he had an H-34. He had a Cessna 206. He had a Jet Ranger. Um, but I didn't know any better. That's you know We had him on the family farm yeah. uh, in a big old hangar. Fixing fence, castrating hogs, shearing sheep, and flying helicopters. That was that's what that so, was normal. So you you started flying helicopters at a young age, right? You know, I did. Um, it wasn't like I would just hop in and go. It was always with Dad's tutelage. A lot of times he would hand me the controls when he was exhausted from doing what this picture that some people can see, some people can't. Uh, a lot of what we did was heavy lift work. So. We would take air conditioners and put them on Walmarts, Kmarts, shopping malls. I mean, you think how huge some of these big, flat warehouses are. Yeah. How big is the crane got to be? And how heavy does that crane have to be to reach the center of that building? Right. Right. So there's no quicker, faster, sometimes even safer way, because cranes are pretty damn dangerous, uh, to go grab these. Because helicopters are so safe. <laughs> Sorry, man. Hey, no, it's that it is, it is fair. Hubert, listen, man. You, you got to understand we're, we're a couple of numbs, numbs, gold single seat jet guys no. that you know we're, we're the only guy, helicopter yeah. guys, the only ones we could pick yeah. on. I, I understand. You know? uh, all the F-18 guys picked on us because yeah. we, you know, we're weird Harrier yeah. pilots, so we pick on the helicopter guys, right? Yep, yep. That's okay. Well, if, if if we're breaking leather and, and we're allowed to. <laughs> You know, my aircraft's not called a yard dart, just saying. <laughs> okay, fight's on. It's okay, all good. Fight's on. It's all good. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, uh, so that's how I grew up. Uh, a lot of times I'd get my flight time because uh, doing heavy lift work like that where you're really having to concentrate is exhausting. Uh, you know, meticulous yeah. flying. Uh, so I'd get my flight time usually on the way home. Dad would say, all right, hey, we're IFR. You got it. You know, I follow roads, and right. we'd fly down Highway 34 to 58, break, break a left at Ebert's Corner, go over the top of, you know, whoever's farm. And I'd usually wake him up when I was really young. I'd wake him up about the time we were getting close, and he'd hear the engine RPM change anyway, so he automatically woke up. Yeah. And then he'd take us on in. So, yeah. wow. That's trust there, right? So, so were you rated oh, at the time? Did you have your ticket? Nope. I had nothing. Okay. So – you're well, flying in the left seat. Week. Did you ever get? Yeah. yeah. You're flying yeah. in the left seat of an H-34, and your dad is snoozing. <laughs> That's yeah, he's passed out. Trust, baby. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. yeah. Can't trust your kid. I mean, who are you going right. to trust? Right. Exactly. Oh, that's and awesome. That's so. Uh, well, I, I I'll, I'll get there in a second, but I can't wait to hear about flight school because that. Yeah, be that'll be good. And yeah. let me just briefly touch on how it is that we got in touch with you. Yeah, it's a long way around. So another 53 driver, which is what you flew in the Marine Corps, another 53 driver reached out to me and said, hey, we have a Jarhead breakfast first Sunday, I'm sorry, first Friday of every month. Come on by. And oh, by the way, you got to hear this guy, Gunny. He's amazing. And as our listeners know, if they've listened to the shows before this, Gunny is an amazing storyteller, incredible raconteur, Harvard lawyer. We won't hold that against him. And yeah. <laughs> and it, just a lot of fun to chat with, but flew H-34s in Vietnam, 
He tells the story of One Eye, whom we are hoping to have on shortly, and your dad was one of his squadron mates. Correct. And the rest, as they say, is history. So uh, then, you know, got to see that you were flying, literally flying the H-34, a Marine Corps helicopter, a civilian variant, but that in junior high school, in a high school. Yeah. That, right. that is cool stuff. Let's stay in that area and try and move linearly, I guess. Ooh, fancy word of the day, linearly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. you you went to high school baseball practice in the helicopter. You went out yeah. to breakfast after the prom? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, Tell so me I, that I isn't was... a chick magnet. Come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, honey, want to go for a Hilo ride? <laughs> she just left. The uh, And I'll tell you one of the things I always used to do. And remind me of my Air Force One business card story. I got to tell you that one, too. Okay. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so – I was a baby of eight. I had five older brothers, two older sisters, huge family. Uh, you know, my mom and my, t- my mom and my dad, believe it or not, actually met in Pensacola. My mother is a Pensacola native. Ooh, one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. One of those girls. Um, they moved, you know, had a bunch of kids, moved on Santa Ana. Dad was in the Marine Corps, did his thing, came back. They moved back to Iowa. Um, and, uh, yeah, just grew up flying and fixing helicopters. I mean, dad, dad had a smart business model, and that was keep pumping out kids because that was, you know, mechanic, lineman. Uh, you know, hey, you go get an A&P. It's almost like Yellowstone, you know, how John Dutton right. was building his empire. My dad was right. doing the same thing. Uh, you know, you rag the belly. You know, you clean the blades. You got the glass. You drive the tractor. Pull it out. You know. So so does uh, uh, your, some of your siblings carry on the family business? No, unfortunately, what was it? Once dad got really old, uh, we sold our helicopter in 2012 uh, to a guy in Brewster, Washington that uses H-34s, believe it or not. I hope you're both sitting down. He uses them for drying cherries. Wow. Um, There's something about the H-34 rotor system and the amount of fuel that it does not burn in a hover that lightly – uh, blows the morning dew or the rain off of a cherry because the cherry skin is very permeable. It'll split and fall, or the stem will rot and the cherry will fall. So these guys take these H-34s and they go out and they hover around these cherry farms in the morning and blow the the water off. So we sold it to him back in 2012. And that was, I think 2013 was the last time my old man uh, gripped on the cyclic of the H-34. Okay. okay. Wow. Wow. How about that? I learned something new. Yeah. Who knew? Awesome. Who knew? Well, yeah. the guy's got the biggest. He's got one of the biggest populations of H-34s, I think, on the planet. He's got like nine or ten of these. And you can convert this aircraft to a T-bird, put two PT-6s up in the nose, um, you know, much like you'd see Screaming Mimi or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, we used to go on jobs all summer long. Uh, lift what we call them as a lift job and shoot there was one job we went all the way down into Kansas it took us a long time because we're in southwest Iowa and I had a baseball game that night and I I called the coach I'm like we're getting gas right now depending on the winds there ain't no freaking way I'm making <laughs> there ain't no way I'm making it so so I was a catcher we only had one other catcher and he was a JV kid uh, and he was good but he was scared shitless never played a varsity game in his life and I luckily I had all my stuff with us. 
and we landed right at the friggin' ball field. I'm running to the field, throwing my gear on, you know, getting dressed. That's awesome. And I think he caught like five or six balls, and then I just rolled right in. I didn't even warm up. <laughs> I just rolled right in oh, and that's started great. playing baseball. But Dad mm-hmm. used to pick us up. Like, I'd take a note to school. He'd land on the practice field, come pick me and my cousin Mark up, and we'd go to a job in Des Moines or, you know, wherever, um, take some buddies along. You know, it's wow. like you want you want some free help. Just you know, promise your friends a, a good adrenaline rush. You know, yeah. a nice fix. Get a helicopter yeah, get, ride and come help us yeah. out. Yep, that's awesome. Okay, and I touched on it, and you looked around, so it's clear now. Yep, we uh, got a clear, chi- clear chick clear. magnet. Oh my god! Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, pretty sure. Then, the, as a matter of fact, the night I met my wife was at the University of Nebraska. Or, sorry, University of Northern Iowa. Uh, we were there at a rugby party, so I hadn't joined the Marine Corps yet. I was getting ready to leave, though. I had like six weeks, okay. and uh, I was fairly intoxicated, probably well what? above average. I'm shocked. Shocked. Yeah, yeah and I saw her. Right. I saw her and was in love. And of course, yeah. We got to <laughs> started talking, and, and <laughs> I don't remember how it exactly came to it, but I always carried my dad's business card along. It was a you know slam dunk, right? Yeah, my yeah. dad's a pilot. So. <laughs> I am too. It it's worked. just not legal. Yeah, uh. It worked. P, uh, PLC program, Duber? OCS. 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 I had, okay. okay. I graduated college. I think I had 10 days from the day I graduated college to when I had to be in Quantico. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Wow. And now, uh, w- with an air contract? I did have an air contract. Yeah, I took ASVAB and did, did well on that and, and had an air contract. Can- I just about didn't go. Because wow. the OSO uh, did not have orders from me, and my dad said, "You are not fucking leaving my house until you have a set of orders in hand for yes. flight school, for period, even oh, to re- wow. even to report to OCS." Oh, oh, oh wow. yeah. So I just yeah. not didn't go. Interesting. So can I? Uh, I'm going to make some. Go ahead, repeat. Go ahead. I was just saying, it, it's nice having somebody you know in the family that knows how screwed up the military can be well, if you don't right, have orders yeah. in hand. Life right. could go badly. I don't have anything to write down notes, but remind me about flight orders. Okay. Flight okay. orders. All right, I got it. Right. Great story about dad. I got to tell you. All okay. Right. So uh, I have. A, I'm going to just assume you went to OCS and you had an air contract. You were planning on flying helicopters. Absolutely. Didn't matter if okay. I had the best NSS there was. Yeah, I was. That's that was my assumption. I, I second and sure. third was going to be helicopters. It was it was where my heart was taking me, no matter what. Well, yeah, I don't know how you couldn't. You probably would have been disowned. Ah, uh, yes. Know, if you didn't. Yes. <laughs> Accurate. Hey, Dad. Guess what? I'm going to fly <laughs> Harriers. Get out. Get <laughs> the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been tough. Yeah, it would have been rough. Nice. Okay. Nice. Wow. Well, that was pretty cool. So I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you, your first fleet squadron was uh, HMH three sixty two, the Ugly Angels. The Ugly Angels, yeah. with whom all our previous Marine helicopter guests have been. Yeah, and it was my Spicer, dad's squadron. So Gunny? it was really cool yeah. for me to get a chance to be in that squadron. Well, okay, that is really unique, right yeah. there. Yeah. And yeah. I know you, uh, you uh, grew up listening to. Oh, yeah. You know, all the stories from yeah. your dad's buddies when they'd come, you know, pheasant hunting and stuff. So, yeah. wow. And then there, there you are in the squadron. Yeah, you want to talk about blessed, fortunate. I mean, 
just the stars aligning and uh, having an opportunity to to do something that you you can't even script honestly it just it really just lucked out because like you were saying fig probably the other than my father the three greatest mentors that i had outside of the marine corps was uh was one eye gunny and then cookie who was famous for that water buffalo story <laughs> yeah right it, so good i got to hear that firsthand yeah. <laughs> uh as you know a young kid, 10, 12 years old, listening to my dad and his buddies tell these stories. Oh my gosh. And I'm just, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Just like, I want to hear more of this, you know, please give me all that you can of this infectious disease that you guys have. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet, you know, the human mind is weird. The worse it was, the funnier and the better it seemed to them in retrospect. Sure. It sucked while they were there. Yeah. yeah. Well, but they but they howled about it in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so. the very content of your podcast. You know. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, so, a flight orders is this a, is this a, a dad, your one of your dad stories or is this? A, yeah, a, this a, is you, one of dad stories. So, if you okay. want, like, I've got I've yeah. got a shelf of some stories that I want to okay. tell. On okay dad's experience but i don't yeah, know what so, path um, you want to go down so we can we can do that let's touch on that um let's honor your dad a little bit here what was his name what was his call yeah something? philip larry Talk, turner tell us about um it. he passed away this last january so about five months ago um mm. he uh what can i say he's my hero i feel you brother he's you know, a, yeah. this guy i don't i never met your dad but he seemed already like a larger than life character yeah right we quit we quit counting flight hours at 20,000. I mean, he just, <laughs> it, 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 he got to the point where it's like, what's, you know, it, I don't care. Yeah, what's anymore. the difference? I'm just, just going to yeah. fly. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Fig, I've been flying 40 years. You're close to that, I'm sure. Yeah. We're probably close to 20,000 between us, plus or minus two or 3,000. Yeah, between us. Yeah. Well, I got, well, hold on yeah. a second. You know, so some of us work, some of us fly more than the others. So, you know, well, that's true. Yeah. I, I probably, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, 20. Yeah, that's crazy. Twenty thousand in twenty thousand hours in a helicopter too. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was. I'm between eleven years. and twelve. So, yeah, fifty yeah, years of awesome. flying. Um, we actually, thank God, we were able to um, induct him into the Iowa Aviation Hall of Fame uh, two years ago while he was still alive. Oh, oh shit! And, which was great. really cool. And then my sister-in-law in, uh, submitted my nomination, and I got inducted the year right after that, which was kind of cool. That's awesome. Where is the uh, Iowa Aviation Hall of Fame? Is it in Des Moines? It's a small little town called Greenfield, Iowa, due west. Due west of Des Moines? Yeah, due west, okay. about, I don't know, 45 minutes south of I-80. Well, uh, congratulations on you being included with your dad yeah, in cool. the aviation, uh, Iowa Aviation Hall of Fame. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So did he have a call sign? Because I know that was – You know, they did – not coming they in didn't yet. use a whole lot of call signs back then, but his right. was flubber is what I'm being told. I have no okay. idea what it means. Uh, <laughs> I've got a story of how I got my jacked up call sign, but yeah, you know, I, let me know when you're ready for that one. We'll um, come back to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, don't you yeah. worry. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So flight orders. Well, so – if if we're gonna go down this path, I'll just tell some stories about dad's uh, yeah, Vietnam experiences okay, that go. I you know that I had heard and and Gunny already hit on some of these and I will tell you his level of accuracy 
almost I, took me back to the point where those stories were first told to me. I was like, wow, word for word. That's pretty great. Word for word. <laughs> That's great. I don't think I don't think the fish grew over the years, which yeah. uh, if you know okay. Marines, you which go. we do, oh, yeah. you know that oh, that sure. happens. <laughs> so um, sometime Vietnam, 1965, 66, when dad was there, uh, they were, you know, getting things kind of set up. And uh, that's, I think they were 24 plane squadrons, if I remember right, which is a lot of friggin' helicopters. You bet it is. And, you know, that was a time where every crew chief, like, they owned their plane. Nobody touched it. This was, if it was, if it was oh, Yank hey, Lima 13, hey. that was his aircraft. Nobody touched on it. Nobody worked on it. Nobody else flew on it without his say so. So a bunch of the crew chiefs, I think, had come to my dad. Uh, they had kind of confided him because he was a maintenance test pilot. And you know that relationship between a plane captain and a, and a test pilot uh, or a maintainer. It's unbelievable bond. And yeah. um, they were all concerned because none of their flight skins uh, had been renewed or their flight orders. They all expired. Okay. Well, I don't know what it's like nowadays or when we, we all serve. But back then, my dad knew that if a guy's flight orders expired, they're – life insurance also expired, you know, their SGLI. Yeah. So this is the cool part about this story. My dad got his commanding officer fired at the commanding officer's request because they're trying to figure out how did, how do we fix this? Right. CO Lieutenant Colonel Allworth took it to uh, the mag CO and, uh, or the mag admin shop. And they were like, yeah, whatever. We'll work on it coming around, coming around, nothing. Everybody's really getting nervous, you know, because, you know, planes are piling up. They're having accidents. Um, right. So the CO says to my dad, who submits the readiness report every day, down all the airplanes. I want you to report zero of 24 available for flight combat operations. <laughs> and my dad's like, uh, I'm going to get my ass kicked if I submit this up to the MAG. Well, he did it. And the MAG CO comes down. You know, if you can imagine coming through the ready room, kicking doors down, and didn't even get Tenant Colonel Allworth an, uh, an option to uh, rebut, just fired him on the spot. He's like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And he's like, sir, I had to get your Thanks. attention. I do not have enough available crews to fly my planes because these men do not have flight orders, and I'm not going to order them to fly anymore. Well, guess what showed up the next day? <laughs> was a, a briefcase of orders. full of flight orders. <laughs> Get those typewriters. And then Lieutenant Colonel Allworth was subsequently hired back on again as the commanding officer. But my dad always said, "I got my CO fired." So. That's, that's a good story, awesome. and he did, and he liked well, it. He, he didn't fired. even get an adverse fitness report for it. <laughs> I mean, that's just about doing what's right by your men, you know. Oh shit! Yeah, that's good leadership, right? Yeah, uh, love it. Absolutely love it. Let's get you into. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Lieutenant Studley, hold on. There's a. Is, yeah, hold on. That, is Lieutenant that Studley? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lieutenant so Studley Hungwell. Story. Is that a dad story? That's a dad story. All yeah. right. Let's hear, let's yeah. hear about uh, Lieutenant Hungwell. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> in a way, to, I think you know they probably had developed this rapport with the mag, where they were like, uh, you know, these guys are idiots. We're gonna fuck with them. So they decided to make up a pilot. Uh, and they made up a pilot by the name of Lieutenant Studley Hungwell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, as they continued to create paperwork, put him on the flight schedule, uh, you know, he had a locker, he had a helmet, he had flight gear, he had a pooch, you know, he had a place to sleep. Uh, <laughs> 
then all of a sudden somebody from the mag shows up and, and they're all pissed off because Lieutenant, Lieutenant Studley Hungwell had not cashed any of his paychecks. <laughs> and he started to get paid somehow. No. No. So the funny thing is, is how they would fuck with the mag admin shop. They'd come oh, down oh, to the no. squadron and they'd be like, where's Lieutenant Hungwell? And be like, you just walked past him. Did you not see him? <laughs> You, you literally met him right at the door, sir. Or you know, he's on the schedule today, sir. He's out yeah. flying, or you know, he's on, med, you know, medevac standby. So he's not oh. going to be back. What blows hours. my mind oh. is that there are Marines who didn't pick up on the name. I think, <laughs> right. every, well, yes, but I think everybody in the squadron was in on this to the point where uh, yeah. old birthday balls. He had a seat. You know, <laughs> I have a name nice. placard of, of my dad's that. That has Lieutenant Studley Hungwell. You know, he made it to one of the birthday balls not too long. Unbelievable! So that 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 is great. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. hey, he had five or six air medals too. I think he graduated I, I, from University of Illinois, something like that. I, you know, I hope uh, Lieutenant Hungwell made it out of Vietnam okay. You know, as far as I know, he did. Uh, <laughs> was living was living in Illinois again. You know, big family. Oh, that's, well, that's good. I don't think I noticed his name on the wall. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, repeat. Get 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 going. Oh, that's wait. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I wanted to back up and get uh, out of high school. Into you go to OCS. You show up down in uh, Pensacola, yep. and you've got roughly four times the number of flight hours of your flight instructors. Well, <laughs> and, and and most of your flight instructors, probably not all of them. They're probably a few relatively experienced guys, yeah, I, but to have a thousand hours uh, in in any airplane. Well, I didn't have any fixed um, wing. So time. What, what was that like? I didn't like? have any fixed wing time. Uh, I mean, I was very comfortable in the aircraft, but that was a whole new world to me. Uh, was flying fixed wings. So, oh, flying the T thirty four. I was yeah. a single guy. Uh, they were shipping most of the single guys down to from Pensacola down to Corpus, just because it was cheaper than a married of. You know, yeah. so I did a little stint at VT twenty seven there. Uh, my on wing yeah. was a P three guy. He was friggin' awesome. Loved the guy to death. And then um, went to Pensacola, did HT HT eight eight ballers. And uh, yeah. you know, I I wanted to keep my mouth shut. I figured this is the smartest thing to do. Keep yeah. your mouth shut. Don't say a damn thing. Be humble and just you know uh, try to earn their respect. And uh, and then one day I just couldn't do it. I, I we always did a clearing turn, right? We'd pick up mm-hmm. pick up in a hover when you're getting ready to uh, to do ops in the pattern. There's always six eight helicopters just doing racetrack work, and we would do a clear a pedal turn, 180 degrees one way, 180 degrees the other way, and make sure that there's no traffic coming, or we could at least gauge how much time we had. The last thing you want to do is you know. For, transition to forward flight when another guy's uh, coming into land or doing an auto rotation, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and do that at a you know vulnerable time. So we pick up, do our pedal turn to the right. I know we got to do a pedal turn to the left. So we got to pedal turn to the left, and then we come back around. And rather than doing just a nice stable pivot over the spot, I kind of decided to do a Millennium Falcon type sliding turning rolling move transition to forward flight which is a shitload of fun yeah and i do that get up you know get up some airspeed get through translational lift and the instructor goes man that was really cool don't ever fucking do that again 
<laughs> and then we get up in the downwind, and he takes the controls from me. He's like, "All right, what's going on?" Yeah, you clearly you, you've you, done this before, right? So I came clean, and uh, you know I had to unlearn some bad habits, really more than anything else. Because I mean, Dad taught me how to fly the airplane to its limit, and then maybe just a touch past. But uh, you know he. He taught me some things that are very difficult to teach, and I think that's uh, how to become one with the machine. Listen to the machine when, you know, when she don't want to do what you're trying to tell her to do, or uh, when she's giving you that indications and warnings that hey, I want to come apart. Yeah. Um, so, I, I guess I kind of had a little bit of an unfair advantage, you know, going that's through okay. flight school. That is uh, that's okay. Well, that's great advice, regardless of what you're flying. Oh, absolutely, sure. absolutely. Listen yeah. to the jet. Listen yeah. to the plane. Wow. Yeah. So you obviously uh, probably uh, were a water walker, um, I'm guessing. You know, I, I did okay. I did pretty decent. Um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm I'm assuming you know you 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 knocked the socks off of everybody at the HTS. I did okay. Uh, yeah. I did. I did. I will say, I when I graduated, there was no uh, there was no Hawaii slots because I really wanted an opportunity to go to Hawaii and be in Dad Squad, yeah. but. If you guys remember, if you graduate number one, you get to go wherever you want. So I right. knew I had to graduate number one, and and thank God I did. Um, so I was yeah. So he he did okay. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> were were, uh, were they putting guys in the uh, Osprey? Not yet. When, when, no. Okay. Okay. So there was that was, Osprey was still kind of in operational test and evaluation at that time, maybe yeah. just a touch after that. Because we're talking, I got my wings December eighteenth, oh three. So uh, you're looking at you know right at a hundred years of aviation, right there when Orbel and Wilver took off. Right. That was actually on our winging shirt. Took a hundred <laughs> years. Took a hundred years to get it right. Well, guess what? Whoop whoop. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. So, so you finished number one, you did manage to get out to Hawaii and you got to the ugly angels. Um, and then, uh, well, let me back up because you mentioned an, uh, oh yeah. Right there in Hawaii. It was only 53 D's. So we were at 301. Okay. Nice. So, uh, just going to talk about, we're going to, I'm going to ask about an acronym here, but you mentioned one at the very beginning of the show. And that was an FCF, which is a functional check flight, which is something that's done on the helicopter after uh, work has been done, or any airplane for that matter. But then I'm assuming I'm in the right time frame here. You're talking about the worst mu. 31st. Is that oh, when you 30 got worst. 30 worst. Yeah, 30 worst mu. If you ever did an yeah. Okinawa, oh, that. No, that, oh, that's Okinawa. That's Okinawa. Sorry. Oh, that's all good. Uh, yeah, that was – did three deployments in the 53D, um, Okinawa to 05 – and then um, Iraq in 2007, and then Iraq into Afghanistan in 2009. So we actually wow. hit hit both theaters, but we got a we got an engine upgrade to the 53Ds, which allowed us to have another 2,000 pounds of lift, which is everything. Uh, oh, you bet. So. Hey, uh, when, when in 09 were you in Afghanistan? <sighs> Every one of my deployments uh, lined up with like a like a March arrival to a November departure, October, November. Where were you, were you out of Camp Leatherneck or where were you? So we started out in Kandahar. Uh, We flew all the planes into there, or we C-17 all the planes from Al-Assad into Kandahar. And um, we had to to put all new engines on the planes. We had 12 planes, so we had to put 24 engines on. We upgraded from the 413 to the 416, which it just, 
let the engine burn hotter, had a hotter can, but we didn't have to do anything to the rotor system. So it was an, okay. Let me, let me back up just a little bit. So we're talking, um, talking Muse and Marine Expeditionary Unit. You C 17, meaning you brought the helicopters on the C 17, which is a massive, uh, military transport aircraft. And then when you say hotter cans, the can is the burner section of a turbine engine that allows it to, to burn hotter and thus create more torque. And you really struggle at speaking English, don't you? You speak Marine so well. It's when you have don't, to translate. Don't get old. Yeah. <laughs> don't get old. It's bad for your memory. I memories. understand that. Yeah. CRS Weird. hits. All right. Yeah. I just That's the thing that people ask about oh, all the yeah. time. Acronyms. Cut it out. That? All right. Yeah, we'll we can, we'll we can have best. a whole conversation in acronyms if we wanted. Right. right. Without ever coming nope. up for air. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, Kandahar. Well, after Kandahar. Where, where, yeah, where'd, Kandahar. Where'd you park them? Yeah, we, we built them all up back up, and then we flew them out to, uh, to Bastion, which wasn't Bastion. Leatherneck yet. Yes. Uh, and then turned into Leatherneck. Um, yeah. We, we actually flew in. we flew by there every day waiting for them to build us enough matting of the Marsden matting uh, so we could yeah. land the helicopters. It's the first time I can actually say I, l- I really roughed it in the Marine Corps because we flew and self-deployed our shit from Kandahar to Bastion, unloaded our tents, built where we were going to sleep, eating yeah. eaten whatever the hell we had, and uh, and sometimes just sleeping in the damn helicopter until they had living set up for us. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was there. I mean, I, I, I went in and out of Camp Bastion a couple of times in a C-130. And a 130? Yeah. You may have given me a ride from Kandahar to Bastion once. Maybe. Maybe. Well, all right. Uh, uh, so, um, were you flying off the boat in uh, Iraq? No, we um, we flew in uh, to. We already, you know, did a transfer of authority. The helicopters were already there from a sister squadron. Yeah. So, and two thousand seven was actually the first time they had uh, put V twenty twos in um, Iraq as well. Our, one of our sister squadrons, who we called the Dyslexica and Ugly Angels, because we were 362, they were 263, uh, which I think is the the Thunder Chickens, maybe. That's funny. Okay. It was 263. Was that a new river? I think they were New River, because yeah, I think I seem to recall, I think our, our squadron did a, uh, what did they call it, an augmented squadron deployment with those guys? And, and they joked about the chickens on the patch. Yeah. 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 They did whatever they could to make sure the V-22 was successful. Uh, I mean, every department head was a lieutenant colonel. How about that? So <laughs> That's heavy. That's yeah. a heavy squadron. Okay. What could go wrong when you put a bunch of uh, LCs <laughs> in a right. squadron, like when you need lieutenants and captains? Do you have any, uh, do you have any good combat flying stories you want to tell, Duber? You start scratching, and I'm sure they'll come up. Um, well, well, I can well, hold tell on. you Go ahead. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this first. Okay, how how'd you get the call sign Duber? So uh, I first got to the squadron, uh, first CO, Frenchy, and XO Junior. Uh, they're like, "Hey, Blue Angels are coming out. They ain't been here in 20 years. Uh, here's the XO credit card. Here's the CO's credit card. I want you to go buy everything you can with an Ugly Angel patch on. And I'm talking hats, koozies, shirts, thongs." Eye patches, you know, friggin' dentures. I don't care. Buy them. Yeah. So I'm buying all this shit that I can get because we're allowed to buy MCCS, go have a booth, and sell our own stuff. Right. Yeah. You're going to make money for the squadron fund. For the to, yeah. Right. 
you know, so the goal was to send everybody the birthday ball for free. So I'm buying all this stuff. And I had this one vendor. He's like, hey, man, I got these new things. They're called Dubers. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Duber? <laughs> so, you know, on the back of a hat, uh, it's just a little neoprene thing. I wish I had probably got one downstairs somewhere. Um, it's a little neoprene sleeve that goes back on the back of a plastic clasp of a hat you know that plastic yeah, huh? click, click, click. yeah yeah it's so that the, the metal the plastic doesn't dig into your head plus you know they put a emboss a whatever on it uh so they call these things dubers so i'm like sweet yeah I, you know i'll buy a gross of them so i'm thinking a gross is 144 you know no big deal Uh oh we got fucking twelve thousand of these things showed up <laughs> 12,000 12, dubers. So Do they have I'm, a little squadron, squadron emblem on them, or how? Oh yeah, a little, little ugly angel patch, and uh, you know, HMH three sixty two, the world's finest heavy lift helicopter squadron. You know, uh, so we didn't sell fuck. Oh my god, we didn't sell any of them. <laughs> so the staff NCOs were like, duber, du- duber. That's great. <laughs> That's great. But silver lining to that is we did send everybody to the birthday ball for free. We made a shitload of money. Uh, beautiful and then when we went to kadena or to okinawa in 2005 uh you know their friendship day where we invite everybody to come on all the locals come on the base they were buying them like crazy they're like oh we can put our cigarettes in them and or we can put them on our fingers you know <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for that okay yeah. so everybody if you'll indulge us for just a minute we'll come back and chat with duber about the uh, combat stories but we're going to also talk to you a little bit about the people who make this podcast possible. If you can help us by helping them and supporting them, go visit these folks. Here at So There I Was, we're partnering with another aviation podcast to cross-promote our programs to each other's audiences. This history podcast is all about a legendary and pioneer airline that almost single-handedly built commercial aviation as we know it today. The name of this program is called the Pan Am Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Experience the legacy of the world's most iconic airline, Pan American World Airways. This award-winning program brings Pan Am's 64-year history to life through engaging storytelling and insightful interviews with Pan Am employees, passengers, historians, authors, fashionistas, and aviation enthusiasts. This program is hosted by historian Tom Betty, who serves on the board of the Pan Am Museum Foundation. Since launching the program in August of 2021, donating his time and talent, Tom has worked hard handling all aspects of production from host to content creator, researcher, editor, and post-production. A wide variety of people and topics have been covered in the episodes aired from the romantic era of flying boats of the 1940s to the supersonic flights of the Concord, from acts of heroism and humanitarian missions From the evolution of cabin interiors and White House press charters to New York's landmark Pan Am building in Manhattan. In addition, the program covers difficult histories such as the 1970 hijackings and the dawn of global terrorism, the 1977 Tenerife Airport disaster, the AIDS epidemic of the 1980s, the bombing of Flight 103 over Lockerbie in 1988, and Pan Am's diversity in flight during the civil rights era. The Pan Am Podcast is a humanities program and explores all aspects of Pan Am history and the time periods in which the airline flew, covering not only aviation history, but American, world, 
cultural, business, and military histories as well. The program has earned many awards, including the recent Gold 2023 Muse Creative Award and the Gold Award from the 2023 Here Now Palooza of the National Audio Theater Festival. The Pan Am Podcast is brought to you by the Pan Am Museum in Garden City, New York, and is now approaching its third year. The program has published dozens of episodes that have been downloaded almost 100,000 times in over 150 countries. From the awards to the worldwide number of listeners, it is clear that interest in Pan Am and the stories of the people at the heart of the airline are alive and well. If you haven't listened to the program yet, all the episodes are available on the various podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon. Go give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. In the hustle and bustle of modern life, finding the time and energy to cook a delicious and nutritious home-cooked meal can be a challenge. Enter HelloFresh, a game-changer in the culinary scene that I've had the pleasure of trying. My wife loves it because they do all the meal planning and the shopping for the correct ingredients and provide ready-to-prepare meals right to your door. Now, two nights a week, we eat a great home-cooked meal without the hassle of planning and preparing a menu and shopping for the exact ingredients. One of the first things that struck me about HelloFresh is the incredible variety of food choices available. The options span multiple cuisines, dietary preferences, and creativity levels, making every mealtime an exciting culinary adventure. Whether you're craving Italian pasta, Asian stir-fry, or a classic American burger, there's a good chance you'll find it on their menu. And with their commitment to high-quality ingredients, you can be confident that you're refueling your body with the best. When it comes to preparation, HelloFresh truly shines. Each meal kit arrives with pre-portioned ingredients, eliminating the need for measuring and reducing waste. This also means less time spent preparing and more time savoring the delicious results. Furthermore, each kit provides suggestions for adjusting the flavors to your taste, empowering you to personalize each dish. But what truly sets HelloFresh apart is the easy-to-follow recipe cards. Detailed yet simple instructions transform cooking into a stress-free, enjoyable process accompanied by clear, step-by-step photos. These recipe cards make the cooking process almost foolproof. Yes, even I did it without a mistake. Regardless of your kitchen experience, these guides instill a sense of confidence that you're on the right track every step of the way. In essence, HelloFresh strikes a perfect balance between convenience and gourmet cooking. It brings the joy of preparing and consuming a wide range of delicious meals right into your kitchen with minimal fuss and maximum satisfaction. Whether you're a seasoned home cook looking for new inspirations or a busy professional wanting a quick yet wholesome meal, HelloFresh could be the fresh breath of culinary air you've been looking for. So what do you do now, you ask? Well, it's simple. To get the great deal, go to HelloFresh.com slash SoThereIWas16 and use the code SoThereIWas16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's right. You heard right. 16 free meals by going to HelloFresh.com slash SoThereIWas16 and use code SoThereIWas16 for 16 free meals and free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I love HelloFresh. <laughs> we had it last night, as a matter of fact. Okay, hey, Duber, I'm looking at your timeline here. Did you spend five years in the Ugly Angels? Almost six. Uh, and, Holy cow. Yeah, so here's the thing. It's it's the only place where they have 53Ds. And once okay. you, the twin engine 53, you know, the, the light twin or the straight-tailed pimp, as we used to call it, uh, she was a beast. If they got, if you if you had a, a group of guys that knew how to maintain that aircraft, because it was simple, it was a left and a right. 
um, you could really make that old girl sing. Wow. So that's, that's kind of unheard of getting, getting five years in a fleet squadron. It was great. Pretty awesome. It was awesome. I loved that place to death. So, um, you, uh, we, 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 we left off with some combat stories. You got, you got a couple, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you guys always ask everybody, you know, what's your best, your worst day and your best day. Right. Uh, clearly, I never uh, ejected from an aircraft because if you did that from a helicopter, that would be uh, catastrophic. Um, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be thinly day. sliced ham, please. Yes, <laughs> I'll start with I'll start with my worst, and um, I know you guys know this well because you've you've briefed it a thousand times. You've probably experienced it, but uh, incapacitating vertigo. Oh yeah. Um, if you remember right, there's three kinds: there's recognized, there's unrecognized, and there's incapacitating, and uh, that was me, 2007, up on the northern border of Iraq, a little base called Al Qaim, which was already a dark hole. So you're talking low light night, uh, on the goggles, no visible horizon from stars or moon, no ambient light. If there was any light, it made it a thousand times worse because it would bloom out your goggles. Yes. I'm dash two on a milk run. Uh, basically, you know, what helicopters are for, because 53 is nothing sexy. It's just a big damn semi-truck. You know, it's just beans, bullets, yeah. and Band-Aids. We just yeah, move stuff. Stuff yeah. people. So I'm dash two uh, behind, got to be careful here, uh, a less than stellar aircraft commander. Uh, okay. And he has a junior co-pilot with him. I actually, I'm an aircraft commander, but I am the co-pilot on this. My uh, my hack is the maintenance officer. Great guy. Uh, okay. Phenomenal pilot. Uh, so to make you know uh, vertigo even worse, he got it too. Oh, yeah. So okay. we're in a crew aircraft. Um, we've got pilot, co-pilot, uh, crew chief in the right window on a gun, uh, a uh, AO, aerial observer in the left window on a gun, and a, and a tail gunner. So we've got crew of five. Okay. We, we talk to the ADAG, get our, uh, which is the, uh, I don't remember what that's, it's the guys who bring us our cargo. Yeah. Um, we switch off their frequency, switch to our inner flight, and somehow in there, the radios got messed up. He takes off. We don't get any notifications. We're like, oh, shit. Okay, let's button up, boys. Let's go. Hey, hey hold on, Duber. Uh, I, I know what you mean by radios got messed up. What, 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 what? Uh, uh, we got off frequency. You, we you guys got on the off. Yeah, right, we're one okay. digit off freak. Uh, so right, we think we're talking to them and they're not responding. Um, when you land, you typically shut off uh, some of your, you have your lights on, your position lights on. And as soon as you get airborne, you know, you don't, you don't want those on. So you shut them off. Yeah. Uh, so we take off late. So there's step one, how we're behind the ball. Uh, we're trying to catch up to dash, uh, dash one. So our closure rate is very difficult to see because... Uh, you can't hardly pick up uh, visual cues, even though there's the infrared strips on the side of the plane. So you can kind of try to get your attitude, make sure you're, you know, beanie ring on the horizon. Uh, you can just the pedostatic through through the top. You know, there's little checkpoints that you look for. Right. Impossible to see. So we can't talk to them. Uh, we're running behind. We almost overrun them because we can't judge our closure rate. And then I started getting vertigo, something bad, um, and I'm and and I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to read my gyro, you know, look at the horizon and and kind of cage my inner ear, and it ain't working. Yeah. 
And I'm talking to my aircraft com- uh, commander, Droopy. Uh, I'm like, hey, sir, I'm freaking hurting over here. He's like, you're doing all right. So he starts reading off performance instruments to me. Next thing I know, um, he's like, what are you doing, man? You you were doing fine. He's like, you're straight and level. He's like, look at your head. My head was stuck up against the side of the cabin, the window. And I think I'm straight and level. Oh, wow. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking outside at the airplane, yeah. at the other airplane. Yeah. So then I look to the gyro and I realize that I'm off. So what do you think happened to my head? Well, yeah. I start, I start tumbling. Yeah. You, you know? As soon as you, as soon as you uh, righted your head, you yep. cause more fluid. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fluid in the inner ear starts moving oh, around. Yeah. Totally messed up. It, you know, what's jacked up yep. is every time I talk about this, I start getting uneasy. I start sweating right now. I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't have PTSD yeah. from getting shot at or anything, but, but, yeah, but for PTSD like this, from vertigo, holy crap. So, yeah. so I hand the controls over to, to my much senior, much more experienced aircraft commander or maintenance officer, you know, basically one of the gods of the squadron. He's doing all right. I'm trying to unfuck myself. And then next thing I know, he starts complaining. He's like, Hey, I ain't doing so good. And I'm like, so, so now I'm just even worse. Oh no. Oh, so here's no. the kicker, right? Here's something you guys have never experienced. And I'm going to rub it in because I get to enjoy the crew concept. Yeah. Our crew chief saved our life that night because she hopped up on the, on the, the uh, jump seat and she started reading performance instruments. She was reading off altitude, airspeed and VSI. Wow. And That's incredible that she and knew to do that, let alone. She was yeah. a, you know, a pretty senior sergeant. Yeah. yeah. She was an ass kicker and, uh, she saved our bacon, and that was, we kind of broke yeah. up from the lead aircraft, backed off a little bit, you know, for some safety. We finally got up the same frequency with them, so we got a win. You know, we started yeah. getting the airplane flying straight and level. We got another win, uh, and then in the distance, we start seeing the lights of Al-Assad. So we yeah. get a vis- vis- yeah. uh, we get a, a visual horizon. Nice. And we're like... <sighs> Right. Longest twenty-minute flight of my life. Yeah. Oh, I'll say. Oh, that's terrifying. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. I. 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 You know. Uh, I've. I've had it. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Best day. Yeah. Best day. I had so many of them. It's hard to really capture. But I've got one in particular, and that was flying with my dad. Oh. When I was in high school, a very rich lawyer. That's as far as I'm going to go with that because I don't want to incriminate him. He bought an H thirty four. Okay, Rusty, you can turn it off here. Yeah. We bought an H bought an H thirty four. It wasn't Rusty actually, but Rusty knows who it is. Uh, okay. We went out to Arizona to the boneyard. There was a guy who used to work for Sikorsky and he used to re he would rebuild H thirty fours from the ground up. And wow. uh, he rebuilt one. He wasn't a pilot though, he was a mechanic. Uh, and this lawyer paid dad to go down there with him. He's like, Hey, I'll go, but I got to take my son with me, you know? Cause I was kind of my dad's plane captain, if you will. Yeah. We went, we spent a week down there going through this plane, testing it, setting the tensiometer on throttle cables, doing auto rotations, you know, testing RPMs, doing everything. Dad and I got to fly that thing all the way from Arizona to Texas to cookies house. Uh, you know, the water Buffalo guy, Yeah. And he came and picked us up. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was so much fun because, you know, we we got chased by a storm in Las Cruces, New Mexico. We landed, and then we got the living shit kicked out of us. And the tail rotor blades were so – the paint was still so new on them that the rain 
ripped the new paint off. Oh my gosh. So we landed, we had to take terror blades off, send them back to get repainted. And then, you know, we landed and, uh, this guy had this hangar. Dad and I were sitting there in friggin' Houston hobby airport. Uh, and we're taking the main rotor blades off and we're folding them down the back cause it'll fold all the blades will fold yeah. back, but you had to do it manually. You had to get up there with a pin puller and pull the top taper pin off of the, uh, the knuckles cause the rotor blades were attached with knuckles that went together like this. And then a, a tapered pin went all the way through. Okay. So that was my best day. It was That's also great. the day that I knew my dad had uh, balls this big enough to bring in a dump truck because he wasn't scared. <laughs> he did. He just wasn't scared of anything. He was always so calm, cool, and collected, even in the face of chaos. Because um, the age thirty four, you sit really high, yeah. And if you're down in the cabin, you can see the calves and the feet of the pilots and the rotor pedals, you know. Yeah. And we're flying along, just fat, dumb, and happy. And I look down and I see what 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 I think is fuel everywhere in the cabin just sloshing around come to find out what it was we had a five gallon uh, jug of water that had fallen out of the seat and the lid had broken off but i'm freaking out i'm like dad we're leaking fuel we're leaking fuel everywhere yeah and and i'm you know, i'm freaking and he looks down he's just like helicopter still flying go go check it out <laughs> so i'm like what the you know, we're flying, right. a, we're flying, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the H-34, the airframe is actually made of magnesium. So it's essentially a flying flashbulb. Right. We we uh, we, we learned that in uh, some of the stories from uh, some of the other Vietnam guys that flew yeah. it. If it caught on fire in flight, you better get it to the ground right now, or you may not have anything to land. Or, or you're going to get it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So wow. I flipped out the seat, go down there, and it's just water, you know, but I, I mean, I thought it was fuel. I was losing right. my freaking mind. That is, thank you. Uh, that I, I was, I was there with you for a second. You were uh, HMX one. I did. Pilot. Yeah. So here's the greatest thing. So wait, wait a minute. Okay. What is HMX one fig? Well, let's let Duber tell us. Yeah, right. Duber, what's HMX one? Presidential helicopter squadron. Oh, he's got yeah. the shirt on. Yeah, HMX one yeah. is the there squadron of marine. It's a marine squadron that flies all the white top helicopters. That's right. Yeah. Yep. One of my college uh, roommates, um, who was a year behind me uh, in the PLC program, ended up, uh, he was a CH-53 guy too. He ended up flying um, in HMX-1 during the nice. Clinton years. Nice. Yeah, that was there from 09 to 13 uh, for uh, Biden-Obama, Obama's first term and then into the reelection. Um, and I, I don't know what your guys' experience was, but I had some of the best like I never had a bad commanding officer. Every commanding officer I had was a frigging awesome, phenomenal. I still mostly stay in. Here. I still stay <laughs> we in. We were touch. mostly good. Uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. But we, but, we, had, we had two out of three. It was it was good. That's not so bad. Sixty six point six. Right. Oh but man. So your good, HMX one CO was a good guy. He, well, the, and the guys who uh, who basically got me there. Uh, because okay. HMX-1, uh, the some of the pilots who we had in the squadron, that maintenance officer that saved or helped save my bacon, uh, he was an HMX-1 alum. Um, okay. So a lot of alumni around the 53D community in Hawaii, but then also a lot of the guys who were just senior to me, the captains and majors, they ended up leaving Hawaii and going to HMX. I'm like, That's, this is what I got to do. This is where my boys are. You know, These are where my mentors are. Yeah. 
So it kind of made it easy for me to find a soft landing place there. Although the background check is uh, like a colonic on steroids. Um, they, yeah. They went back. Uh, I had a cable bill that I missed in flight school. I just about didn't get into HMX one because of that cable bill. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I, I got a, I got a funny story. I, I'm going to tell it very quickly. So my, my friend that flew in HMX one put me down as a, um, reference. Oh boy. I uh, needed somebody that knew him for 20 years or something. And I, and we grew up together. We played baseball. Anyway, uh, I'm in Kingsville, Texas as an instructor. And I, um, I'm in between flights and there's a guy standing in a suit and says, are you, uh, you know, are you, you know, me and I'm looking at my name tag. I'm like, yes. Is there some place we can talk? I'm like, sure. Go into a briefing room. And then right away, I, I, th- I you know, when he says, uh, so uh, how long have you known? I was like, okay. Yeah. You know. So he starts asking me all the standard questions. In about I know 10 him, minutes, by the way. I know him. Okay. We'll, we'll talk offline. Okay. Uh, so he, <laughs> we go, uh, you know, if he, I know where he's going with everything. And I, I got another brief. So I go, hey, listen, I think I can save us both a lot of time here. And he stops right and he looks up. By the way, this guy had no sense of humor. Yeah. I said, listen, in college, after he kicked the cocaine gambling habit, he's been a straight arrow ever since. And he looks up at me, and then he goes right back to his pad, and he says, so, uh, and get like, like I never said a word. He just kept asking questions. So <laughs> a couple of days later, I call, I call Obel Cern, and I say, hey, uh, I, I got an interview. They go, oh, really? What would you tell him? And I told him that. And he goes, you got to be shitting me. You really said that? And I go, yeah. He goes, no, you didn't. You really said that? And I go, yeah, I did. He got hired anyway. Yeah, they got him anyway. Yeah, they interviewed my high school football coach. They interviewed oh one gosh. of my elementary teachers. Wow. Um, they get in there pretty deep, and that and honestly, yeah. that's one of the biggest uh, disqualifiers is um, uh, you know, some kind of financial financial yeah. issues or uh, uh, any even any remote possibility that you could not be a hundred percent committed to. Uh, the mission and the duty, uh, you know, of being yeah. uh, in the Marine Corps or being uh, with HMX. Yeah. If you compromise, if you're compromisable in any way, they, yeah, you're. Oh, they'll awesome. know. They will find yeah. it. Yep. So uh, that was a what? Was that three year tour for you? Four year tour. Four is that normal? Is that it normally is. four year tour? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they. So you're telling me it's like high school. You go freshman yep. through senior. So to yeah, speak, that's too. that's kind of how we, you know, the slang way of saying it. And so I wanted to say one one other thing about uh, HMX. It, some people think this is a good thing. Same thing is a bad thing. And I don't know if it still happens or not. But HMX was legitimately a good old boy club. And what I mean by that is we had a we had a all the people that were applying. We put their names in a binder. We put it in the ready room. And everyone has an opportunity to go in there and say, this guy's a turd. This guy friggin' sleeps, you know, with one eye open, puts lipstick on and loads his 30 out six at night. You know, all, all those little things. He's got a lipstick yeah, list. <laughs> once he kicked his cocaine that? habit, he was fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, once, you know, she let him take a line off a of hooker's ass. He was good to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Had to get right. Gotta get, hey, you got to get right. That's right. Before you can go. The, the reason they wouldn't let you in if that, if you were like that is they didn't want you competing with the politicians for, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're going to keep all this blow for us. That's right. That's right. All right. Enough politics. It was kind of a good old boys club, no, which that's was kind awesome. of cool. Um, well, tell me this about HMX1. Was uh, you, you mentioned one-story pre-show. 
but I cannot imagine the license to steal that you must have had. I mean, just short of stuff you were doing unlicensed uh, in Iowa as a high schooler, the the kind of flying you got to do, it had to be no holds barred because you're flying the president. You're flying the vice president. You you take all priority over everything, even people that are dying. (laughs) I mean, it's it's. It's a no-fail mission, right? Um, and yeah. what people don't realize about HMX one is they think that it's all the pretty, the pretty stuff, you know, the the pretty helicopter wearing a uniform and all that. That's a very, very small part of the mission. Uh, the, the the larger mission is all about presidential protection. You know, if you think what's the quickest and safest way to get somebody out of Dodge in a bad day, it's a helicopter, and then you yeah. get them to a jet. You know, um, you can put a helicopter anywhere, but you know. Uh, motorcades, incredibly, uh, predictable, vulnerable, vulnerable. Uh, think of all the people that you, um, you know, that you mess up their days by blocking roads and, you know, you don't know when he's going to come. You don't know when he's going to leave. So guess what? Secret service and local police, they're going to block that road all damn day for a five minute motorcade. Right. Um, but it was a ton of fun. I mean, I got to be there with, the leaders and mentors that helped groom me along the way uh, got to have the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. And uh, I got to fly, you know, up to Camp David, fly past the Christ the Redeemer um, statue Rio. in Rio, Rio, which was friggin' awesome. You know, I was within 200 feet of it, flew right by it, face to face. That's um, so cool. Flew in Ireland a couple times in the greenest places I've ever seen. Um, I've been to almost every state. I actually flew. So when you were talking about the four years, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, your freshman year, you're just learning. You're, you're essentially worthless to the program, but you're learning. And a lot of times it's kind of the holding area. You're waiting for your clearance to show up and they will not let you start until your clearance is adjudicated. So, then, so why, can I can I guess that while you're there, if there's uh, support missions or something to fly yeah. around Quantico, you you do those? Oh yeah, you run over and you friggin' wear the lieutenants out over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which which was awesome because that was one of our secondary missions. Uh, you know, we go over there and do support for them, and you know, we had in the fifty three because uh, I threw fifty three echoes there, the the triple engine bent tail. Yeah. Uh, okay. We used to mess with the lieutenants over there and tell them, you know, if you want to talk to the pilot, go up there and grab that little funnel with the hose on it and just, you know, yell into it and tell them where you want them to go. Give them the LZ brief. <laughs> you guys are laughing because you actually know what that little tube is. Well, that's, the the, uh, that's a relief tube. Is, yeah, that is uh, a relief tube. Yes. Yeah, so that's and, that's uh, great. An overzealous lieutenant will will just speak smartly right into that and give you give you a stellar LZ brief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that never and yeah. it never gets old, never, does it? Never gets old. So I did so, that for four years, and uh, the last so your your third year you be, you can either become a White House aircraft commander or work your way into becoming a Marine One pilot. And when you say a Marine One pilot, there's only typically four or five guys that can actually sign for the aircraft with the president on board. And it's usually the CO, XO, a couple other chosen few. Uh, I didn't go that path. I went down the path of a White House liaison officer, or what's called a WELO. And we did advanced stuff. So uh, let's say the president's going to go to Chicago. I'd go a week early. I'd set up hotel, rental car, airport, hangar, uh, 
liaison with the local police, with the Secret Service, with the Air Force One guys, with air traffic control, find the LZs, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, and then when everybody would show up, we'd already have the brief built for them. Uh, we'd tell them where they're going to go. And, and then we would be one of the guys that looked like a Secret Service agent. We'd be in a suit and tie, basically acting as ground clearance guy or ground taxi in the zone for when the boss would come in. Okay. What about, uh, let's see, I got a couple notes here. Um, oh, that's awesome. Biden, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, Biden tower, tower closure closed? at Reagan? Yeah. yeah. So probably 2010, 2000, 2010, 2011, I'm doing a vice presidential lift. I'm going to go pick up uh, uh, President or Vice President Biden, Dr. Joe Biden, take them from the Naval Observatory, which is the vice president's residence. Right. Uh, which is up the hill from George Washington or uh, the school up the hill from the zoo, um, northwest of the White House. Um, pinnacle landing, 150 foot trees all the way around it. And when I say a, well, it's not a pinnacle landing, confined area landing, just it's a bowl. You had to yeah, land. It's, in kind, a bowl. it's kind of by the. It's just north of the Potomac, right? Yep. Kind of sits real close to the Potomac. Yeah, maybe about an eighth of a mile, quarter mile. Okay. You can't see the zone until you're pretty much uh, eighth of a mile out from it because okay. of the way the trees are. you got to have enough step up. Otherwise, the ellipse of the trees completely covers it. Yeah. So the night before the lift, uh, Reagan International Tower, the tower controller, falls asleep. And there's planes trying to land. They, 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 nobody's answering trying to raise them, trying to raise them. Well, these planes end up having to divert over to Dulles. Yeah. Made national news, <laughs> you know, big shit storm. Uh, yeah. So I'm doing, I don't think anything of it. Land at, land at the vice president's, uh, you know, uh, residence, land, shut down the engines, put on the rotor brake. And typically, there, you know, there's enough room in between the pilot and co-pilot. And the, the aircraft commander would always sit in the right seat. And uh, de- depending on if it was POTUS or VPOTUS, they'd always stick their head up in the cockpit. May not shake your hand, but they may say, hey, guys, how are you doing? Thanks. You know, thanks for coming to pick me up. Biden wastes no time. No greeting. No formal greeting of the day. Uh, sticks his head up in there and says, they answering the radio today? And I said, yes, sir, they are. He's like, well, fuck it. We're going to go anyway, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. We'll just let us know when you're strapped in. We'll, we'll take off directly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, boy. True story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Story. That's awesome. We were always. Now, did you? Um, hey, you we may not be able to talk about this. Did you have to uh, get clearance, or did you just announce yourselves coming when you were coming um, off of planes like that? Well, we would you just get everyone announce yourselves. I mean, it was probably pre-filed, so you weren't pre-filed. totally surprising the controllers. But we did make radio calls. Um, if okay. you if you've ever watched like the Discovery Channel that talk show that talks about Marine One. Um, the, the aircraft actually is assigned that call sign when the principal is on board. And what I mean by the right. principal is uh, the dignitary or the uh, V-POTUS right. or POTUS. So otherwise, we'd use a call sign of Nighthawk. Okay. Okay. So, but you we, come up, you just show up because obviously you don't know when you're going to go. The president may be delayed. The vice president absolutely. may be delayed. So yep. you just get airborne and go, uh, Marine One, we're going yep. this way. Absolutely. And, and, and you have a start discreet- clearing people. You got a discrete squawk too for your yeah. transponder, you know, four-digit code that's assigned to that mission. Right. So they know exactly where you are, what you're doing, you know, 
park police are out there typically too, flying security, and we'll always have a backup aircraft that's around. Sure, so. sure. Well, I'm sure that was a very professionally satisfying. Uh, it was awesome tour, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. You got to do some cool stuff, and you're yeah. flying with the best of the best of your buds, so to speak, right? Mentors sure. and so on. I mean, that's awesome. And we went, you know, we went through some uh, some pretty difficult things at times where you're really pushing the limits of the aircraft. Uh, I remember one one trip in particular, if you remember when the BP uh, oil rigs blew in the Gulf, uh, oh, yeah. I was one of the few CH-53 pilots, uh, even though I had been to the squadron maybe two months, that answered his phone at 5 o'clock in the morning because uh, we all got issued Blackberries, and uh, I answered my phone, and they're like, Doover. You're at the bottom of the list, but you answered. Be to the squadron in an hour. We need a co-pilot. Son of a... Speed <laughs> window. Nope, this isn't me. Yeah, nope. Yeah. So uh, got there, briefed while we're walking to the plane. Uh, 260s, 353s. Uh, we're heading to uh, NAS New Orleans. And we're bustering down there because uh, the POTUS wanted to go see the oil rig that blew. And okay. uh, I'll tell you... We pushed it as hard as humanly possible to the to the point of almost running out of gas uh, because we were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then flying the next day, you know, Otis oh. came down, and uh, we always make a weather call, right? And and uh, the Marine One pilot, he he has the onus to make that weather call, and we made a we made a good weather call, and we shouldn't have. The weather was so awful that day, we almost converged 353s at the approach end of NAS uh, New Orleans, one coming off PAR, one coming off special VFR. Uh, and if you remember, if you're on a PAR, you're coming in visually, you're on two different frequencies. Yeah. And right. we yeah, come to the talking to approach. They're talking to tower. We yeah. come to the numbers and whoop, did one of those. Had no business yeah. flying that day. No business. Yeah. Wow. I don't well, know if that's a title because we were stupid or we had no business flying that day. <laughs> there I was. Both good potentials. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you. This Beaver. is great stuff. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you for your service to this country. A lot of, a lot of sacrifice. Um, a lot of, how many years did you do in the Marine Corps? How many? 20 years, two months, 28 days. Who, but who's counting the 28 But he wasn't days? counting. Yeah. Much, yeah. 28 nice. days longer than I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I, loved, I loved every minute. You know, it was good. Well, uh, well you, your story is really awesome, uh, you know, and you had such a, uh, well, it's kind of a legacy. And, and you got to, and the fact that you got to fly in your dad's little squadron and, um, you know, you grew up listening to all the stories and then you went and lived it. Basically, yeah. it's pretty right. awesome, dude. Who gets that's, to do that's that? Really awesome. That is a uh, that is a once in a lifetime, uh, once in a once in a generation type of thing. Jeez, not even that. No one any, gets to do that. Uh, I, I, any Duber offs- any Duber offspring uh, have aviation in their future? You know, I don't know. Uh, I just had my first kid. Uh, he just graduated from high school. He's a computer guy. Uh, I got a fifteen and a thirteen year old. They maybe I don't know. You know, I. I grew up with it. it w- I was immersed in it, so it wasn't uh, right. it wasn't it wasn't something I had sought out. So if I'm going to introduce it to these kids, I gotta you know I gotta I gotta search it out. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was like, you know, I'm I'm okay with not flying again. I'd love to continue to fly. I'm envious of you two that you still get to cheat death. Um, 
but I'm also kind of okay putting that on a shelf. Yeah. And just leaving it there and preserving it. So I don't know. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. No, it's, uh, it, it's a privilege. We've had a blessed life, uh, and getting to do the things that we love to do. But yeah. what's more amazing is that we're getting to do this and we're getting to talk to all these incredible people like you, yeah. like Gunny, like Captain Williams, who shot down MIGs <laughs> and then yeah. didn't tell anyone about it. None of these. I mean, it never gets old. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I am just amazed by how many awesome. Everybody's got stories. We just, sure. gotta, we just got to get them out there. Man. Well, that's the thing, you know. You got to take the time to peel that onion back, and, right. and I'll, I'll give you guys uh, some sincere kudos from the bottom of my heart. What really turned me on to this, to this podcast is uh, how dedicated you two are at uh, capturing the authentic side of. Marines and what we go through and what we experience. And, um, you know, it's healing because not everybody had a great experience, right? oh, but yeah. it's healing. It is healing to talk about these things. <laughs> we, yeah. we hear that a lot yeah. and really I do. totally get it. Uh, and yeah. I have experienced it personally myself. It's, yeah. it is, it's therapeutic to talk about it. Yeah. I don't care how many free HelloFresh cardboard boxes are in the garage. <laughs> I don't care. You I guys think... are doing a good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If you only knew. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the opposite of that. But uh, Hey, yeah. you know, we're, I'm, I'm doing it for free. You know, uh, right. we're, 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 we're finally breaking even with paying the bills and, and that's fine. I don't care. Uh, that yeah. it was never for the money. Uh, yeah. you know, we're not doing this for the money. Hell no. No, I know. I that. Mean, repeat makes more money than God. Anyway. Yeah. That's what I tell everyone. He plays for the majors. So, I don't know yeah, if you know yeah. that or not. He plays for the majors. Yeah. But, but, but I've got a daughter at Riddle, so. Oh, Lord. <laughs> let, me know where I can, let me know where I can send the, the check because uh, clearly, right. yeah. yeah. You can go say to people. If you've got a quarter million dollars I can borrow, and by borrow I mean have and not give back, you just uh, let me know. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fresh out. So, yeah. We're all out of diesel. Better try the next station. Oh. Right on. So. All right. Well, unfortunately, it's time to land this plane, as it were. So Good. let us say to you, indeed, Duber, thank you for your service. Uh, God bless you. Uh, thank you uh, to your dad. Uh, he's gone now, but but uh, may God bless him and, and may you rest in peace. And he did a great service for this country, and he sacrificed a lot to be there, and we appreciate that that thank service you. as well. Yeah, and the, we're stories sorry for gonna, the stories will live on forever. Yeah, that's yeah, the plan. Absolutely, yeah. We need to thank Dave Hamilton over at the Mac Geek Gab, the Gig Gab, and the Business Brain Podcast. He's given us all the technical knowledge that we need to make this show happen every week. Thanks, Dave. And then, Fig, if we use too many acronyms, what should someone do if they don't get the acronym? Acronym. Well, we, we have we have an acumen, uh, acronym, <laughs> and a glossary for all the Damn. acronyms uh, yeah. on our web on our website. And I'm if still there's up an watch. acronym. Uh, yeah, there's an acronym that we flung at you today, and we didn't catch the fact that we don't already have it. Please tell us, and we'll yeah. get it up there. Shoot us an email. What's your email, Fig? Well, let's see. Uh, my email is fig at so there I was dot us, and yours and is repeat at so there I was <laughs> dot us. And then if you're watching on the video at all, you see Fig and I are wearing our cool hats. I'm wearing my cool polo shirt. Yeah, We've got the that. merch, the merch store. You can get koozies, yeah. a bikini, beach yeah. towels, rugs, clocks, t-shirts, you, you name it. You can't get a duber. Get, get, you know get a duber. 
We need to get a see if we get see if we can get a duber up there. You know, I don't know. That, I don't know if you can or not. Um, do you have any of those twelve thousand left? We could reprint. We'll go with that. So keep your cigarettes dry. Yeah, we need a dubers. We need and to if you could was dubers, right? And thank you to our patrons, our pilots over at so there was us slash Patreon. We appreciate that. You gents are helping to keep these engines running and bring these great stories to you every week. If you go to this, so there I was that us slash Patreon and pledge five bucks a month. That's about a buck and a quarter a show. We'd appreciate that support. It costs a little bit to get the editing software and the domain and all that stuff. It's it ain't free. We're happy to do it. We love it. Like Fig said, we aren't doing it for the money. We're certainly doing it for the love of it. And we hope you love it as much as we do. Thank you to our sponsors this week was uh, the Pan Am podcast. They're mentioning our show. We're mentioning theirs. Some amazing stuff over on that show. I managed to grab uh, one show and listen to it already. It was a lot of fun to listen to. A lot of neat history in that airline. And for uh, HelloFresh. HelloFresh. Thank you. I just went blank. And for our sponsor, HelloFresh. So there I was at HelloFresh.com. So there I was 16. 50? 50. 50. I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> HelloFresh.com slash so there I was 50. Use the code so there I was 50 for 50% off your first box. Boom. Don't get old. It's bad for your memory. And uh, I don't know, Fig. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, um, is there anything that uh, comes to mind? Are, are you feeling it? Are you hearing it? You know, um, I think we need to say thank you to the pilots that flew the F-16s with great music that made the Air Force sound good. It's the Dos Gringos, right? Uh, who were by the who by the way were uh, outstanding interview, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of energy there, and um, they let us use their music. It, it's awesome. It's awesome music. They got four albums out there. Anywhere you get your music, I bet you can find it. Dos Amazon, Gringos. Spotify. Yeah, the Dos Gringos. Go get them. Fig, any advice for our friends until next week? Well, so we're not going to sit on the collective. So we, we're going to say don't let go of the collective. Right? Don't there drop the collective. Don't squeeze. Don't squeeze. Pull and turn and squeeze. Pull and squeeze. Pull and squeeze the collective, folks. Pull and squeeze the collective. Oh, there you go. All, now, that's life. good advice. Can't yeah. beat that. And check sticks as always. Be well, everybody. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life. But we knew there was no way. Not You're going down the North Atlantic, man, it's over. What do you say, Fig? He said it's over. It's over. It has to end here.